Don't you love Jonathan on the drummers, uh, Hero Israel, just like drum solo wailing. All your heart, soul, strength. Oh, that's so fun. Sorry, uh, sorry about last week. Well, a little bit of isolation going on there. Um, but, you know, I was watching with you, and I'm like, ooh, uh, yikes. No, no, it was good. It was good. We did our beginning of our Jesus series last week. Uh, welcome back. Thank you for... Thank you for being like, okay, we're going to give this another go and we'll see what happens when Brian's actually in the room. All right. Uh, let me um, start by blessing you. Let me, let me bless you before we go any further. I bless you in the name of Jesus that you would know Jesus more wonderfully today. I bless you to receive healing if you need healing in your body, in your mind, in your emotions, in your spirit. I bless you to receive the guidance from God you need. The, the help from God that you need. I, I bless you to flourish and prevail over whatever challenges you're experiencing in your life right now. And I bless you to feel hope, to feel joy, to feel love, to feel peace. Whatever is going on in your life, may, may it be. May you feel those things. All right, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Okay. So we're back in the, the Jesus series. Between now and Easter, we're going to be talking about Jesus, um, the things that he said, and we're going to be learning what it is to believe in Jesus and what it is to follow Jesus. To be a Christian is to be someone who believes in Jesus and who has set their lives to follow Jesus, to, to live, how we, to change, to become more and more like Jesus. Anyone can become a Christian. Uh, if they say to Jesus, I believe in you, I believe that you were crucified and yet God rose you from the dead and, and I choose to follow you with my life. I'm going to start with a picture today. Uh, here is a picture of the Sea of Galilee on the shore of the Sea of Galilee. That is not a picture of Jesus. That is just people dressed, uh, dressed like that. But I, I want to read you a story of, of something that takes place right here on the shore of the Sea of Galilee from Matthew chapter 4. But we'll just keep this picture up and, and it's because it's just a few verses here. Jesus. As Jesus was walking along the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers... Simon, who is called Peter, and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Follow me, he told them, and I will make you fish for people. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and his brother John. They were in a boat with Zebedee, their father, preparing their nets, and he called them. Immediately, they left the boat and their father and followed him. Now, just for fun, I got a few other pictures here. This is what fishing boats looks like, a reconstruction of a fishing boat. We, we see a lot of stories in the Gospels of Jesus on a boat, on a fishing boat. That's what we're talking about. That's what they look like. That's how they were designed. Uh, the other picture is what a net for casting looks like. There's different kinds of nets for fishing. Uh, there's different kinds of fishing. And, I mean, don't ask me, ask Wade. But, but, but this is a casting net. It's about 18 feet in diameter, maybe 25 feet in diameter. It has um, lead weights on the outside of it, and they would throw it out, and then it would sink and kind of capture, capture, 
just corral. That's a more happy name, a happy word. Corral some fish, and then there was a string along the bottom uh, uh, woven around the edges, and they would just, they'd pull the string, and it would wrap up the, the happy bundle of happy fish, and, and they would uh, bring them in, in theory, if there was anything in the net. That's, that's how uh, fishing worked. There's just a fun fact for you, not really important to this story, but we're just, just uh, keeping that out there. The main thing that we want to get is, oh, this is how they were fishing. No, the main thing that we want to get from this story is, is Jesus' simple call. His simple call to these, to these people. And it's the same call to, to all of us today. That simple call of follow me. That, that simple invitation, follow me. What, what does it mean? What does it mean to follow Jesus? Uh, well, in the most simple way to understand this is to follow Jesus is to be someone who is committed to do what Jesus did. Following Jesus is to be committed to do what Jesus did. I follow the example of Jesus. I want to change and to be more and more like Jesus. The Apostle Paul says, imitate me as I imitate Christ. I'm trying to do what Jesus did. I'm trying to imitate Jesus. That's the call to, to follow me. Now, these words were very powerful. Jesus isn't the only one who says them. This was a normal rabbi thing in Jesus' day. But they were life-changing words to teenagers. Again, these disciples are, are teenagers in, in this time, uh, and, and they, are, they are experiencing one of, that, one of those life-changing, stunning moments. Now, here, here's, here's how it works. Okay, so they're about 15 years old, most of the disciples at this moment. Maybe John's 13, maybe Peter's older just because he has to pay taxes at some point later on. So maybe he's like 18 or something like that at this time, but they're about 15 years old. And they were, 11 out of 12 of them were Galilean. So um, the, I'll give you a guess on which one wasn't from Galilee. It's Judas. It's not that, not that big of a secret. But so you got these guys, they're educated in Galilee. And the system basically, the education system basically worked like this. They would go to synagogue school as kids. they go to primary school until about the age of 12. And the girls were trying to memorize all of the Psalms, the book of Deuteronomy, and Leviticus, that's just for fun, Leviticus. No, no. Uh, so they, they, they do, in fact, actually when Jesus talks to women, he usually quotes from the Psalms in Deuteronomy, interesting enough. But that was what they were learning. And then at age 12, whether, whether they got it memorized or not, they were done with school and they could now get married. How fun, right? So, so that was the, the, the education path for the girls. The, the guys, very similarly, they would study until age 12 and their aim was to memorize the first five books of the Bible. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers. And Deuteronomy, and most of the time the kids couldn't do that. That's that's quite a task uh, from from young to about age twelve. At age twelve, they kind of have this exam. You you read Jesus's exam. He, he at age twelve, he's there in the temple and he's asking questions to the teacher. It's kind of like end of age, early school uh, interview sort of a thing. And so they do that at age twelve. Now at that point, most of the guys are done with their education, as all 12-year-olds feel, and they, they, they leave school and they join their dad with the trade that they're in. However, if you were of an extraordinary nature and for some reason your mind was so sharp it was able to memorize the first five books of the Bible uh, by the age of 12, uh, then, this would not have been me, by the way, uh, then they were able to kind of do part-time work with dad and part-time continue their education at the synagogue, and they would 
start to try and learn and memorize more of the Old Testament. And, and it was their only testament, more of the Bible. Uh, and, they would, and also start to try and understand what it means, not just to regurgitate what it says, but understand what it means. They would do that from age 13 to 15. By age 15, basically, they're done. And they're ready to become a, a part of society, a, a normal, normal part of society. However, there was a very, very, very select few. I mean, we're talking like one in a thousand, maybe. Like, maybe not even that, that many. But let, let's say about one in a thousand whose minds were so sharp and they were able to grasp with understanding the scriptures decently well at age 15 that they would try and take that last major life-changing step. And they would go out and they would go to one of the rabbi uh, in the, the area. There wasn't a bunch of them, but they would go to one of the rabbi and they would say, Rabbi, do you think that I have what it takes to be one of your disciples? And so then the rabbi would run a little bit of a test and, and, see, and see if he has what it takes. And if the 15-year-old passed the test, he would hear the life-changing call, follow me. That meant that he could now dedicate the next 15 years of his life to study under this rabbi. Now, he wasn't a student of the rabbi. He was a disciple. A student is someone who wants to know what the rabbi knows, to, to learn what the rabbi knows. A disciple is someone who is called to follow not just the teaching, but to follow the way the rabbi lived, to change, to become more and more like their rabbi, not just in understanding, but in, like they would follow the rabbi everywhere. How does the rabbi um, interact with jerks? How does the rabbi interact with family? Sometimes the same. How do they pray after they wash their hands? How do they pray after meals? How do, what do they say at the end of the day? How, what do they say in the morning? Like, bring me coffee or good morning, sunshine. Like, what, 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 like, and, and they were setting to learn and to live exactly like the the rabbi wanted to do at age 50, at age 30 if you lasted that long um, you were either like your rabbi or you were done um, but you were probably like your rabbi at this point and then you were able to call your own disciples and, and Jesus does that at age 30 he's part of this system and education system and so at age 30 he's we see him calling his his own disciples now, the, the, this thing, the, this, this calling of the disciples, it's, it's so uh, significant. It's the greatest invitation, and it's the greatest statement of, I believe in you. Where the rabbi is able to look at a person and say, I look at you, and I think that you are one of the most rare people in all of the planet. I believe you have what it takes to become like me. To be, to, to be like I am. It, it's a powerful, powerful statement. Now, Jesus, there was a few rabbis that did it a little bit different. Very, very few. Most of the time the disciples would pursue rabbis. But there was a few who decided to pick their own. And this is what Jesus does. And he's walking along the sea. And, and he, goes, he goes up to these disciples. And he pursues them. And he says to them, I believe that you have what it takes to become like me, to change and to be 
like me. And, and, and he says the words, follow me, but that's the significance. I believe that you can become like me. Now, it's a powerful, powerful statement. Jesus, where are the disciples when Jesus calls these guys? Well, they're fishing, which means they didn't quite make, make it through the, the, the education system as, as far as people would be when they would go and run after a rabbi. It's like the, the ones that, that didn't make it, they weren't the good enough ones, I guess, in this sense. But Jesus comes up to them and he's like, I see in you what it takes to be like me. Or I believe that you can follow me and change and become more and more like me. Now he knows that this is his invitation for his, his disciples. But it's the same invitation he has for everyone now on the planet. He believes, Jesus believes that anyone with any background, with any brokenness, with any baggage has what it takes, he made us, to change, to become just like him because he's going to give you the Holy Spirit when you believe. And that is so significant that Jesus can throw open his, his arms wide in invitation and say to all of us, follow me. You have what it takes to, to, to follow me. And, and that's what Jesus does. So, so Jesus invites us to follow him, and he invites these people to follow him and to do what he did. Now, that can be a really overwhelming thought, right? You're like, wow, where, where do I even begin? Where, how, how am I, Jesus does a lot of stuff. <laughs> how am I supposed to do that? Well, that's what I want to talk to us about today. Where do you begin when it comes to following Jesus? What are some of the first steps that, that anyone can do? When, it, when you said, I'm going to follow Jesus with my life, so where do I begin? And the quick answer to this is, before Jesus says, follow me, he says something else. And all the disciples pick this up and they imitate this because they're following Jesus. Before Jesus says, follow me, he invites people to come and see. Before he says, follow me, he says, come and see. Um, again, this is not the first time Peter has met Jesus, or Andrew, for that matter. This is not their first meeting with Jesus sitting on the shore of Galilee, or sitting. No, they were casting nets, sorry, to be as They were actually fishing. They weren't just lazing around. No, it's not the first time that they met. The first time they met was right after Jesus was baptized by John the Baptist. And we read this story in John chapter 1. In John chapter 1, verse 35, it says, The next day... John, the baptizer, was standing with two of his disciples. John also was a rabbi, had his disciples. When he saw Jesus passing by, he said, look, the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him say this and followed Jesus. Not in the follow me way, in the kind of the creepy way, just following him. Um, when Jesus turned and noticed them following him, he asked them, what are you looking for? They said to him, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Come and you'll see. The idea of come and see. Come and you'll see, he replied. So they went and saw where he was staying and they stayed with him that day. It was about four in the afternoon. Not sure why that fact is there, but wonderful. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard John and followed him. He first 
did what Jesus did. He first found his own brother, Simon, and told him, we have found the Messiah, which is translated the Christ, and he brought Simon to Jesus. When Jesus saw him, he said, you are Simon, son of John, you will be called Cephas, which is translated Peter. Okay, so before Andrew is fishing on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, and before Jesus says to him, follow me, and with all the implication there, he first hears the invitation of Jesus to come and see, or, or come and you will see, and he shows Jesus that he knows what it is to be a disciple. To follow someone is to imitate them, to do what they do. And so just as Jesus invited him to come and see first, then he lives that out. He shows Jesus that he is willing to follow by modeling that and by inviting Simon, who is later called Peter, to, to do the same. Come and see. I mean, he doesn't, it doesn't say exactly his wording there, but he goes out and he finds his brother and he brings his brother to, to Jesus. Now, this can be easy to miss, the significance of this. But if you want to be someone who follows Jesus, I mean, it's not like you have to be ready to preach to crowds of thousands on a mountainside uh, on day one. The disciples aren't ready for that. It's not like they, they launch into this huge healing ministry like Jesus on day one. They're, 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 um, they're less ready than we would be on day one. We have the Holy Spirit, but like, they're, they're less ready than that. But there is something that they can do right away. The very first thing that anybody can do when they set their life to follow Jesus is to be an inviter and to call to say to people, hey, come and see. Come, come and see. Come and see what's going on at my church. We're talking about Jesus. Come and see what this thing is about Jesus. Come, come and see. Come and see what's, uh, we pray. We're praying. We worship Jesus together and, and, you know, come and see what's going on. Come and see this, the, the message of Jesus. Come, come and, and, and hear about that. Let's not make this complicated. Sometimes we just keep our mouths shut because we're like, I don't know everything there is to know. What if they ask me a question? Huh? What, what would I do? Uh, what do I do? Uh, the, the, the thing is that the, the, the disciples don't know hardly anything, but they know the first step. And they can make the first step and just say, come and see. Um, right after Andrew invites Peter to come follow, um, we just keep reading right away. It says the next day in verse 30, uh, 43. The next day, John chapter 1, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. He found Philip and told him, follow me. Now, Philip was from Bethsaida, the hometown of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and told him, we have found the one Moses wrote about in the law, and so did the prophets. Jesus, the son of Joseph from Nazareth. Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Nathanael asked him. Come and see, Philip answered. I'm not going to answer that question. I don't even, I, I mean, it's not even worth answering. Whatever your objective, you have, you have an objection. Whatever your objection is, all I'm saying is come and see. I'm not going to debate this skeptical Nathaniel here. Uh, I'm not going to try and engage in all these, you know, I, I don't have the answers. I just have the invitation. Come and see. Come, come and see. And that's the first thing Philip does. He, he does the same thing that these other guys are doing. If you grew up a Christian, my guess is that you believe a lie. 
probably many, but, but one that I'm thinking of at this particular moment, a, a particular lie. You, you were, your experience when it came to being a Christian as a young person going to school probably wasn't um, revival-like. It was probably um, difficult and, and relationally difficult. And you would go to church and people would be like, what, what are you, what, what, what? what's going on? You, you believe in this stuff? And maybe you were teased about that and, and rejected for that. And so you may have developed... A very convenient self-protective lie. And that lie looks something like this. Nobody is interested. Nobody would be interested in coming to church and seeing about Jesus. Nobody would, nobody would want to come. No, nobody would have any interest. And so I'll just keep my mouth shut. I'm not going to say go and see or come and see. I'm not going to say, I'm not going to say that to anybody because nobody would be interested. And so I'm just going to keep my, my mouth shut. And, and again, I, I understand that there's wounds and bad experiences there and, and all of that, but, but you believe alive that, that no one will ever care. And so you just don't want to do that again. You're like, I don't want to, I don't want to do that. I don't want to be made fun of. I don't want to, I don't want the, some sort of fictional bad experience or, or real bad experience that you, you've gone through. But whatever your experience and whatever you have come to believe, whatever li if there's a lie there, may maybe not. Maybe that lie that nobody would be interested in coming to see what's going on at church. That is a lie. And that lie is holding you back from following Jesus. Jesus models this. His disciples who are following Jesus are doing this as well. And so when we don't do that, then we're, we're not actually living how Jesus showed us to live. And, and, and it, it feels uncomfortable. It feels uncomfortable. But, but to be a disciple, to be a follower of Jesus, is to be somebody who did what Jesus did. And the first and the easiest thing is to invite people to just come and see. You don't have to have all the understanding of, of everything. You, you just say, come and see, come and see. Remember the uh, fishing picture earlier? Uh, I, think, I think it's on the screen. Remember the story that I read earlier about Jesus walking along the shore and inviting Andrew and Peter to follow him and, and, and James and John as well? He said to him, follow me. But he also said something else. One other thing. He said, and I will make you fish for people. From, from the very beginning, the first thing that Jesus indicates about their life is that the same kind of thing that they're doing Day after day, uh, moment after moment, throwing out the net, throwing out the net, throwing out the net, trying to catch fish, trying to catch fish. That's going to be what their life is going to be, but just connected to people. It's going to be one of just inviting people, come and see, come and see. I'm just going to keep throwing it out there. Maybe I won't catch anything today. Maybe I won't catch anything all week. Maybe I'll catch a few. Like, but I'm, my life is just going to be fishing for people, throwing, casting the net out wide. And, and, and seeing if, if, if anybody will, will respond and, and, and come and see Jesus. That's spending our lives responding that way. That's what Jesus uh, tells the people right at the beginning, what it's going to be like. Now I'm going to save this story later. Maybe uh, Laura is going to bring this later. I'm, I'm not sure. But we're, the, the story in John chapter 4 of the woman, the Samaritan woman at the well. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to just say very little. But, but she spends... Some time with Jesus, one moment with Jesus, and they talk, they have a conversation. I'm not going to give it away. It's a very great conversation. 
After one conversation, this is what she does. After one conversation with Jesus. Verse 28 of John 4. Then the woman left her water jar, went into town, and told the people, come see. That, that, she doesn't have the answers. A man who told me everything I ever did, could this be the Messiah? She doesn't have all the answers. Could this be? Well, come and see. They left the town and made their way to him. Again, come and see. Come see. That, she, doesn't, she doesn't have to know anything. She's inviting people. And, and the whole town comes. Luke chapter 5. You, you got the story of, of Matthew, also named Levi. Levi, Matthew, Matthew, Levi. He, he, his response, he, he says in, in Luke chapter 5, after this, Jesus went out and saw a tax collector named Levi, Matthew, Levi, Matthew, um, sitting at the tax office, and he said to him, follow me. So leaving everything behind, he got up and began to follow him. What does following him look like? Well, the next story. Then Levi hosted a grand banquet for him at his house. Now there was a large crowd of tax collectors, his people, and others who were reclining at the table with them. Again, the first thing that Matthew does, he, he invites his people to come and see Jesus. It doesn't say come and see, but he invites all his associates to a big, big gathering where they're going to be able to come and see Jesus. This is just the first simple, gloriously simple mission for everybody who's like, I am going to follow Jesus with my life. I'm going to spend my life casting that net out there. Come and see. Come and see. Come and see. Inviting people to church, inviting people to Alpha, just inviting, inviting people to find out what's the big deal with Jesus. Again, you don't need to know anything to do this. You don't even know, need to know if you believe this stuff to do this. Let me tell you a story about OTC Pete. OTC Pete. So um, early days of Rehope. Uh, I'm guessing, based on my horrific memory, that we are in January 2008 for this story. Okay. Um, OTCP comes in, he was at the University of Glasgow, and he was part of the OTC, the Officer Training Corps there. And, and he came into his church, and I remember meeting him, and he, he tells me the story, his parents, I think they're missionaries in Thailand or something like that uh, over there, and he grew up in that environment, but he was not interested in Jesus at all. The only reason he came to church is because it was in the area, and he, his parents, right? I, I don't, they're in Thailand, apparently, but he's still coming to church, um, pressure. I don't know what, but he was, but he was coming, and he's like, I don't believe this stuff. I don't, I don't believe in the Bible, but, but I'm here. And he sat in the front row, I think, like, right, right here, because, you know, missionary kid. I, I, do, I don't have a good answer for that. So he sat in the front row. And, uh, and, th and then, he, then after church in the evening, he would go out to the pub with all of his OTC buddies. And, and he would tell them about how, how incredulous he was about the preaching. This guy, this guy is saying all this stuff. It's like he believes it. It's like, it's like, it's like he thinks that the Bible is, is real or true. And, and, you know, I don't know what I was teaching all those years ago, but it was probably awesome. Uh, he, he, thought it was, he thought it was insane. And so he couldn't help it but go to the pub afterwards and talk about how, how insane this teaching was. He's going to be like, what? The You're not going to believe what this guy was talking about. And so he would go to the, and then, and everybody's like captivated by this guy talking about how awful this preacher is, how insane this preacher is. And, and he's like, come and see. 
the church grew by 40% that next. It was small. And then the first four rows at the, like, just started filling up with these OTC kids because it was the conversation at the pub in the evening and everybody wanted to know how awful it was going to be and, and what they could add to the conversation. So the, I didn't know this was going on. I'm like, the church is growing. Fantastic. <laughs> And so they just started growing up. And then they would go to the pub afterwards as a group and they would, they, they would talk about how, you know, how crazy this is that this guy is saying this stuff and you're not going to believe what he's saying. And then, you know, come and see him. So, so the church just kept growing and, and these kids started coming and, and making fun of it. Now, at, at the time, you know, um, I, I'm happy. They're, they're having a good time. But over time, though, some, not half, that, that would be way too many, but some actually came to believe in Jesus. Some of them just took up that call. Oh, I'm going to follow Jesus. I have the joy of doing maybe one or two of their, their weddings uh, over time. And, and this little, this, this little you know, large growing crowd of people who, who were coming to see by someone who didn't believe anything and was very vocal about how he didn't believe it, who was openly mocking it, yet he was the most amazing evangelist in our church's story because he knew the words uh, of Jesus to just come and see. And, and whatever the motivation, it worked. And, and it was just powerful and life-changing in people's life. He was able to have a, a boldness and audacity that that most people who grow up in the church just don't have anymore because they're, they don't think anybody's interested. If you make fun of your pastor, enough. No, that's not the lesson. <laughs> that's, that's not the lesson. Uh, uh, oh. Come and see. Not everyone want, will come, but some will. Some will. Some will. I love how simple that is. Sometimes we get overwhelmed by how complicated it is to follow Jesus, how challenging it is, and, 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 and like some of the, the, the intensity of it all, and, and to walk in Jesus' ways, and, and there's a lot of good stuff to learn and grow and change, but I love it how it just starts so simple in the Gospels, and it's really able, for us, we can start this simply. The first step of following Jesus, hey people, come and see. I know I don't have the answers. I, I don't have the answers to these cynical questions or, or whatever, but just... Just come and see. As we start our Jesus series, I mean, you're here. You're here, and your invitation is to hear that great arms-wide-open invitation of Jesus to follow me. I, I guarantee you, there's, there, Jesus believes that you have what it takes, and he's going to help you because he's going to fill you with the Holy Spirit. He, he knows that you can be someone who can change to be able to become more and more like Jesus in your life. And so he invites you to come, to come follow you. If you've, if you've not, if you've not uh, given your life to Jesus, I'll give you that opportunity in, in just a moment here. And again, he believes that you can, you can give your life to him to be forgiven, to be saved, and spend your life learning and doing what Jesus did. Now, if you have given your life to Jesus, then step one, lesson one today, let's do what Jesus did. Let's do what Jesus did. Let's shake off some of the, some of the, um, the, uh, the, maybe the lies or the worries that we might have about this and just get back to what's really simple. Hey, people, come and see. Come, just come, come and see. Come and see this thing about Jesus. Come and see what's going on in our church. The challenge for today, shocking. Invite people to come and see by inviting them to church as we continue to talk about Jesus. You guys, we're talking about Jesus. It's going to be great. What a, what a great season 
to, to, uh, to do that. I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray for us. I'm going to pray uh, courage. I'm going to pray opportunities. And I'm going to pray peace. Peace over us as we step forward in this way. It's, it's really a simple yet potentially powerful thing that we get the opportunity to do. So Jesus, fa- Jesus, I thank you for how, how clear uh, and, and continually clear it was in the early days of the, the Gospels where, where you just allowed us to, you, get, you gr- gave us a great example bef- before inviting people even to, to follow Jesus to, to come and see. And God, I just pray over our whole church uh, this, this af- an effectiveness, a calm, a peace, a courage, but, but also just a, a delight, the delightful simplicity and calm that comes from just all I'm doing is inviting people to come and see what's the deal with Jesus. To come and see about what, what he's like and, 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 and who he is. Hopefully to believe in and be saved. But God, I just pray that, that in this season, uh, in this next season, God, that, that there would be a great, um, surprisingly abundant response as we just keep casting the nets out there and just saying, come and see, come and see, come and see. Just pray for great fruitfulness. Now, if you want to give your life to Jesus and, and to respond to that call, that I'm going to follow Jesus now for my life and I'm going to receive forgiveness and grace from Jesus and dedicate my life to follow him, I suggest praying something like this. God, here I am. Jesus, I dedicate my life now to follow you. To learn and to follow you with how I live. To change you to be more like Jesus. Forgive me. Lead me. Guide me. Fill me with your spirit. But from now on, I, I give my life to following you, walking in your ways. I'm also aware that, that some of you, uh, may, maybe you've, you've been around the Jesus thing for a while, but as you're assessing, like, am I actually following, following Jesus, like, by what I do? And maybe there's a little recommitment prayer that, that some of you are going to make right now. Jesus, I... I, I do recommit myself to actually following with how I live, to following you, to walking in your example, to living in your ways. I recommit myself to that. Father, again, peace, peace and calm and, and great fruitfulness. I know that you love fruitfulness, so help us to bear much fruit. In Jesus' name, amen.